When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's October the 11th, 2017. Week 6 is coming. PFT PM Podcast. The supplement to the morning show, the three-hour PFT Live program. Hopefully, Hopefully you listen to some, or ideally all of it, every day. If you do, thank you. If you listen to some of it, thank you. Try more. This is the end of the day look back at things that hadn't happened when the morning unfolded and that give you a little extra insight into where the NFL is in advance of tomorrow morning's PFT Live program. Also, the final awards from week five, the Off the Beaten Path Seinfeld-themed awards to supplement the real awards, kind of real awards that we did on Tuesday. All right, some news, and this one fascinates me because it's one of the things I love about covering the NFL. A player plays poorly, a team plays poorly, and then admits that he played poorly, and then reporters ask questions about why he played poorly, and he gets pissed off at the reporters for asking about the admittedly poor performance. That's where Ben Roethlisberger is right now, using apparently as motivation the fact that we noticed. That's all we did. We noticed. What are we supposed to do? Not notice? And also not react, not ask questions. He was very testy with reporters today. They had cameras out at the practice field, I'm told, and he was throwing balls to receivers, and Roethlisberger said, you can't film me, and Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator, said you can't film me, and that's apparently an unconventional, unusual development. He, from what I understand, has a bug up his butt because Stephen A. Smith of ESPN called him out the other day, so he was giving the reporter from ESPN.com, Jeremy Fowler, a hard time, from what I hear. There's one, I have like a rough transcript of what was said. There's one part where it did get a little, a little testy. With the anthem, Antonio Brown's distraction, your postgame stuff, are you ready to just talk about football? And he said, yeah, would you guys ask me about football? It's on you guys, isn't it? And then the reporter said, well, we didn't make Antonio Brown throw the Gatorade cooler. Ben said, well, you guys asked the question. Reporter, well, that's part of our jobs. How do you block that out? Stop having interviews like this, he said. But he can't. He has to make himself available twice a week. And look, when the guy comes out and says after a game, maybe I don't have it anymore, what the hell does he expect? I mean, really, Ben, what do you expect reporters to do when you say, Maybe I don't have it anymore after you throw five interceptions in the fifth game of a season that comes after you raised the possibility of retiring. You know, the one question he hasn't been asked, Ben, how much of a factor in your decision to come back was the fact that you would have had to pay back $18.6 million? Why won't somebody ask him that? How much of a factor was it? Was it a factor at all? I'd love to hear what he says. Although there's a chance he won't tell the truth. Not because he's a liar, but because they all have to 
stick handle their way around the truth from time to time. It's not expedient. It's not smart. It's not prudent to be honest about everything. And, and, and really, we, we all follow that to a certain extent. We're asked questions. We can either tell the truth or we can tell the person who asked the questions what they want to hear or what we want them to hear. And most of it is innocent. So who knows what he'd say? I'd love to hear him ask the question. Apparently he was asked on radio yesterday whether his heart's still in it, and he said it is. And, and he's been retreating to this, this self-aggrandizing, I have two Super Bowl rings and I've won all these games. I'm one of the best to ever do it. He said that two or three times over the past couple of days. I don't know who he's trying to convince. Us or him. And we'll see what it translates to on Sunday in Kansas City, where the Steelers won in the postseason, where the Chiefs have not been dominant. For as great of an environment as that is, the Eagles gave them everything they could handle there. Washington gave them everything they could handle. And I think the Steelers will give them everything they could handle. Official picks coming at PFT tomorrow morning. I may pick the Steelers to win that game. I just have a feeling that this is going to be one of those moments where it's kind of like correction Sunday. And if any team needs a correction right now, it's the Chiefs at 5-0. and they, they really haven't been a dominant 5-0. and They deserve all the credit in the world for winning five straight games to start the season, beginning with a win at New England. But I'm thinking maybe. Maybe it's time. More on that tomorrow. Tom Brady, the guy that the Chiefs beat week one, he practiced on Wednesday. He's got that AC joint sprain in his left shoulder, the non-throwing shoulder. This guy's going to do everything he can to play because the last thing he wants to do is let Jimmy Garoppolo play. Because then if they get to see what Jimmy Garoppolo can do, and if he does well, then maybe they decide next year they want Garoppolo and they float Brady on an iceberg all the way out to San Francisco where he'd play for the 49ers. Although that that probably is a moot point now that Kyle Shanahan is the coach there. Because I don't think Tom Brady's going to want to essentially be micromanaged every hitch, every read, every snap. He's going to want to have a little bit of creativity, a little bit of opportunity to apply what he's learned over the years. Although... I like to think if Kyle Shanahan is willing to adjust his offense for anyone, he adjusts it for Tom Brady. Brady faces the Jets this weekend for first place in the AFC East in week six. Yes, the Jets three and two, the Patriots three and two, the Bills also three and two, but the Bills are off. And Miami's not far behind at two and two. Derek Carr says he'll play on Sunday for the Oakland Raiders against the Chargers. Transverse process fracture in his back. We've had a couple of other quarterbacks over the past few years who have had that injury. They've missed a game. They've come back. Cam Newton and the Panthers had it happen in a car accident. Tony Romo had it happen during a game. Both missed one game and came back. Carr missing one game, coming back. And then he's got the short week, the showdown with the Chiefs next Thursday night. Great way to start week seven. The Browns enter week six with a new starting quarterback. Kevin Hogan takes over. For Deshaun Kaiser, Hogan, the 28th starter since the Browns returned to the league in 1999. Another name to add to that jersey. And I think what happened here, very simple. Hugh Jackson believes in Deshaun Kaiser. Hugh Jackson thinks Deshaun Kaiser has a ton of potential. The problem is that the Browns don't win a game at some point the next three weeks. Hugh Jackson may not be the person to develop Deshaun Kaiser. 0-5 this year. 1-20 since Jackson became the head coach. He's 2-24 in his last 26 games as a head coach, dating back to his final five games with the Raiders. That's not good. Newsflash. Hashtag analysis. That's not good. They've got the Texans in Houston. They've got the Titans at home. 
and they have the Vikings at air quotes home in London. They got to win one of these next three games. We know London is the place where coaches go to get fired. 0-8, that would then be 1-23 since becoming the head coach of the Browns. And that's the perfect in-season opportunity to make a change. And I don't know who the head coach would become. Surely it wouldn't be Greg Williams. Would it be Greg Williams? Could it be Greg Williams? I don't know who you make the head coach. I'm looking at the assistant coaches right now. And I don't know. Special teams coordinator Chris Tabor. Al Saunders, senior offensive assistant. No. I don't know what you do if you make a change. Maybe it is Greg Williams. I don't know. They're paying enough buyouts out there. Maybe they can bring back one of the guys they previously fired. Maybe they can bring back the last head coach, the guy whose name escapes me, Mike Pettin. Whatever happened to him? He's still getting paid to not coach the Browns. Maybe he can come back and get paid to coach the Browns and just run out the string. That's a practical dilemma that the Browns face. If they fire Hugh... Who will the head coach be? I'm looking. I guess they don't have an offensive coordinator because Hugh is the offensive coordinator. You protect yourself against getting fired during the season if you don't have an offensive coordinator. So, anyway, if Jimmy Haslam decides he's going to fire the guy, he's going to fire the guy. And if they get to 0 and 8, I think it could be over. There's a good chance it's going to be over. So. The Browns are trying to avoid that fate. Jackson's trying to avoid that fate by putting Kevin Hogan out there and hoping they can beat the Texans or the Titans or the Vikings. And chances are they're not going to win any of those three games. Jackson was asked on Wednesday about the second guessing that's out there regarding the decision not to take Deshaun Watson. Remember, it was the Browns who had the 12th overall pick. They traded down with the Texans. The Texans took Watson, and Watson is the real deal. It doesn't matter, Jackson said, he's in Houston. It doesn't matter for this reason. Whether we did or didn't, that's not the point. The point is we are getting ready to play the Houston Texans in Houston. He, here is our football team. We are 0-5 and we're trying to get a football victory. It doesn't matter. He plays quarterback there. Kevin Hogan is playing quarterback for us this week. And Deshaun Kaiser is backing him up. I understand how you guys feel, but to me, to go down that road and talk about this, that, what should have been, what could have been, that doesn't do anything for anybody. And he's right. Because what it does is it makes the Browns look bad. They passed on Carson Wentz. They traded down with the Eagles instead of taking Wentz. They passed on Deshaun Watson, not once but twice. They could have taken him with the first overall pick. Look, Miles Garrett may end up being a Hall of Famer, but they could have taken Deshaun Watson with the first overall pick. They didn't. And then they had another chance to take him with the 12th overall pick, and they traded down. All right, awards time. Wrapping up week five, the Off the Beaten Path Awards. The Seinfeld-themed awards. I know the show was last on the air 19 years ago. So what? It's still everywhere in syndication. TBS. Seems like every night. Hulu. The kids are watching it. They laugh at the giant phones and the absence of cell phones. Hipster doofus of the week. There was an official who actually lost his shoe while trying to get in position. You know how the umpire sets the ball and then scurries back to the position behind the quarterback, except in the final two minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, when the umpire's back in the fray? So the umpire ended up hitting the leg of the left guard of the Packers. His shoe came off. I mean, that's the ultimate Kramer moment. Like when he's a ball boy and he crashes into the net or whatever stupid thing he did. The shoe goes flying. They have to blow the play dead. Hipster doofus of the week. I don't even know the guy's name. Guy who lost his shoe 
trying to set the ball in the Packers-Cowboys game. Not a lie if you believe it of the week. We've already talked about it. Ben Roethlisberger, maybe I've lost it. I don't know if he was trying to be funny. I don't know if he was trying to be cute. I don't know anything. Master of his domain of the week. Look, this was something that I came up with as a way to commemorate the most noteworthy nut shot of the week, frankly. There wasn't one that I saw this week, but I did see something that just kind of, it just feels like the guy who did this is the master of his domain. Melvin Gordon, Chargers running back, applied a stiff arm to Janoris Jenkins of the Giants. I've never seen before. A decleater stiff arm. Master of the domain, of his domain, of any domain, of every domain of the week. Melvin Gordon of the Chargers. Sweet fancy Moses of the week. That, you know, I prefer it to go to an awkward, ugly dance. I think it's going to become the best celebration of the week. And without question, it was what the Eagles did. After the Torrey Smith touchdown, they got the ball. They set up the whole pitcher, catcher, umpire. They had the camera angle looking right down the pipe. It was great. If you haven't seen that, where have you been? And go see it. Best celebration of the week. Although, again, I reserve the right to be as fluid as I care to be. These are just labels. This is just a mechanism for me to talk about whatever I want to talk about, if you haven't already figured that out. Billy Mumphrey's downfall of the week. Down early in the fourth quarter, 10-7, fourth and two inside the five. The Browns were lined up for a field goal try. Would have made the game 10-10 if they'd made it. Hugh Jackson furiously calls a timeout. Ergo the unbridled enthusiasm, which was Billy Mumphrey's downfall. He calls the timeout. He goes for it. A horrible play. Off tackle, fourth and two. You're not going to get that. You want to have more options. Put the, you got to keep the ball in your quarterback's hands. At least do a draw play. Have something you can do with more flexibility than just running it into the line. They didn't get it. They lost the game. All right, those are the Seinfeld-themed awards for Week 5. And I probably should have come up with a special one for Chris Forster and his snorting something with through a $20 bill video. There's got to be something Seinfeld-related in there. I'm not nearly quick enough to think of what it would be. Remember the sniffing accountant? That's it. Chris Forster is the sniffing accountant of the week. That is an award that I hope does not get handed out ever again. One thing I wish I would never have to talk about again is the anthem controversy. And that's not because I have any question or concern about the causes that players are trying to promote by kneeling or sitting during the national anthem. They are valid, worthy causes. The problem is this thing has exploded. It's been co-opted by politicians. People try to tell me stick to sports. How about we tell the politicians stick to politics? But this is now the reality for the NFL, and they're in the process of trying to figure out what to do. I think as soon as next week, the NFL will tell the players, here's your separate platform for giving attention to social issues. Now you'll stand for the anthem. Cowboys players not happy about the things Jerry Jones has said recently, both after the game against the Packers, and he talked to I don't know how many different media outlets on Monday. He's gotten his word out there. See, he wants to remove the Cowboys from the entire controversy. He wants to make it clear that if there's any team out there where players are kneeling or standing, if there's any disrespecting the flag, America's team isn't doing it. So, the... Cowboys got together today to have a team meeting. Some coaches were there. They're in their bye week, so it's a little looser than it normally is. 
Cowboys players not happy that they're being told what to do and what not to do, that they're having a potential freedom infringed upon, even if they are choosing not to exercise it because they've been told not to exercise it by Jerry Jones. It's one thing to be told it privately. It's another thing when the owner goes public and flexes whatever muscle mass he currently has at age 74 and tells the world that he's got control of these players. That's when you're calling them out and embarrassing them. And that's the kind of thing that could prompt the guy to say, screw you, I'm taking a knee, not to protest racial inequality, not to protest social injustice, not to protest the president, but to protest you, Jerry Jones. You're not going to tell me how to exercise my freedoms. So far, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. The closest anyone has come, Orlando Scandrick, Cowboys cornerback. He pulled out a pair of pink cleats and told reporters that this is a cause they're allowed to support. He also was playing a song entitled FDT. The DT stands for Donald Trump and the F, well, the F is what F often means. So Jones met with the players and Jones is trying to smooth it over and Jones is trying to be very pragmatic about it. And I think the league's trying to be very pragmatic about it. If there are people who believe that kneeling or sitting constitutes disrespect of the flag, the nation, the military, then they just have to stand because nothing is going to change the minds of those people who are convinced that it's disrespectful. Fine. Although I look forward to the day and the day will come when the issue of the Washington team name resurfaces and the challenge to it resumes. And those who are now saying, if we believe the flag is being disrespected, you must stand. Those same people will say, well, there's no disrespect intended by the current Washington nickname. So if no disrespect is intended, why should we change it? Well, because there are people out there who view it as disrespectful. The door swings both ways. We'll see. We'll see. And the hypocrisy will be noted loudly here when it happens. Because the very people who are claiming, we don't care if you don't intend to disrespect. We view it as disrespect. Those same people are the ones who typically say, oh, no disrespect is intended by the racist nickname of the Washington NFL franchise. All right. I'm going to shut up before I get myself in any more trouble than I already naturally do. We'll do this again either Thursday, maybe Thursday, maybe, maybe. We, we usually only do it four days a week. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see what kind of mood I'm in tomorrow. Friday, Friday, we will be back with the final PFTM podcast of the week, looking ahead to week six. It's already week six. Don't you get sick of people saying that? And I get sick of people saying it, and I say it all the time. I can't believe it's already October. I can't believe it's week six. I can't believe it's 2017. I can't believe I don't have a better way to end this damn thing. Goodbye. We'll see you or talk to you Thursday or Friday. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.